This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. You're watching Tesla Time News, episode 385 on Now You Know. So life outside the EV bubble is so strange. I was looking into fossil fuel stats the other day, and I saw that last year an all-time record of 8.5 billion tons of dirty, smog-churning coal was released into the atmosphere. Meanwhile, the EV industry has been jammed up in corporate red tape for years. Fossil fuel CEOs are going to pad their pockets until they can't anymore. But we know deep down, they know the gravy train can't keep running forever. Which is why in recent years, they've been quietly moving away from public equities like stocks and investing millions into assets that can endure any storm, like fine art. UBS's recent market report found that collectors with over $50 million in assets now allocate nearly 30% to fine art. Because as an investment, it isn't subject to the volatility that stocks regularly endure. It's a store of wealth with strong, steady growth potential, and you can get it in your portfolio today without leaving the house, thanks to our sponsors at Masterworks. They buy the art up front and break it into shares, allowing you to invest from wherever you are at a level that makes sense for you. They've sold over $49 million worth of art and delivered the proceeds to everyday investors. Each of their exits thus far have turned a profit. You can check the SEC filings yourself. 892,000 users have signed on so far. And with their offerings, including work from the world's most famous artists, shares have sold out in hours. But lucky now you know subscribers can get priority access at the link in the description. Yeah, we got shares in the Banksy, so sign up today. All right, so Elon tweeted out that Optimus folds a shirt. And he went on to say that, important note, Optimus cannot yet do this autonomously, but certainly will be able to do this fully autonomously and in an arbitrary environment, won't require a fixed table with a box that has only one shirt. Marcus Howe says, but can it find all my missing socks? That would be a game changer. Elon said, unfortunately, such miracles as finding a missing sock are impossible. K10 says, Optimus will one day assemble parts of itself. Elon says, robots will build robots one day. Seems inevitable, whether Tesla does it or not. And Adrian says, it took Boston Dynamics 30 years to achieve what Tesla achieved in one. Elon says, two years to meet, three years to beat. No acquisitions, Optimus is a startup. And David said, we should be expecting a billion humanoid robots on Earth in the 2040s and 100 billion, mostly alien robots, throughout the solar system in the 2060s. Elon says, probably something like that, provided the foundations of civilization are stable. And we're going to talk more about Optimus on our Disruptive Investing this week, so go check out that channel, Disruptive Investing. And speaking of autonomous robots, Tesla has started rolling out over-the-air software update, full self-driving version 12.12 as of Sunday. Yeah, according to the release notes, FSD beta version 12 upgrades the city streets driving stack to a single end-to-end -end neural network trained on millions of video clips, replacing over 300,000 lines of explicit C++ code. In December, Elon had said that Tesla was training version 12 in heavy precipitation areas before releasing it to consumers. 
According to Tesla drivers who have already started using it, we're getting really positive reactions like this post from Teslascope. First recorded drive of FSD beta version 12.1.2 on a customer-owned vehicle went well with zero interventions or takeovers. Just smooth sailing matches what we've heard from most Tesla employees since earlier this month. Or this one from Holmar's catalog. My first two drives with FSD 12 were both zero intervention, no accelerator press, no speed change, no takeover, no awkward moments. And MTFBWY says he says that about every version. Tesla Scope says, except this time we mutually agree having experienced version 12.1.1. I can't wait to check it out. Mm. So Tesla Europe and Middle East posted, thank you to our owners in Europe. And that is because the Model Y is Europe's best seller for 2023. Take a look at this chart. So 254,822 Model Ys sold in 2023. In Europe, yep. And Tesla Europe and Middle East said this is the first time that the best-selling car in Europe for a full year is electric. And Elon said, great work by the Tesla team. And here's a stat that's quite amazing. Out of the 36 auto brands in Europe, Tesla had the highest year-over-year -year growth of any of them at 57%. Yeah, Tesla sold more cars in Europe last year than Nissan, Volvo, Mini, Mazda, Honda, Porsche, and Cupra, just to name a few. And it looks like Tesla will surpass Citroën and Fiat this year. Thank you to Roland Percher on X for this chart. Now, we wanted to shout out to one of our favorite partnerships, Climate Exchange's annual EV raffle. Climate Exchange has been a supporter of our channel for a long time now. Actually, one of their recent raffle winners heard about the raffle through our channel. He's living his best life driving around a Tesla Model S Plaid. There are a ton of great EV options on the market today, and other raffles might give you a few options, but nowhere close to Climate Exchange. Their grand prize winner can choose any fully customized EV worth up to $112,835. That is the price of a fully loaded Tesla Model X Plaid. Now, I would probably pick a beast Cybertruck, but I get it. It's not available yet. <laughs> Plus, they make the process so easy. They'll pay all the taxes and even work with you if you need to order from a local dealership. And starting this year, more and more manufacturers are adopting Tesla's charge port, which is great because Climate Exchange is also giving the grand prize winner an extra $5,000 to help pay for a home charger or to use while charging on the road. Even if you don't win the grand prize, Climate Exchange's raffle has cash prizes for second through fifth place. So you're really getting five chances to win with each ticket you buy. And right now, the odds of winning are actually really great. There's only a month until the drawing, and they've only sold around 2,300 of the 5,000 available tickets. And no matter what, your purchase is still going towards a great cause. Climate Exchange is a nonprofit, and they're working hard to help states transition to a zero emissions economy by passing climate policy. We've seen the progress Climate Exchange has made on climate change since we started promoting their work during their fourth raffle. Your ticket purchase will ensure they're able to continue this important work. So you can buy tickets at carbonraffle.org or click the link in the description below. So Jacob Hilton says, when you have as much Tesla shares as Elon has, why would you need another huge compensation package to get motivated? Yashu Sharma says, this is the right take. Elon owns roughly 411 million shares of Tesla. Is that not incentive enough for Tesla, the company, to do well for years to come? His $100 billion today turns into a trillion if Tesla surpasses Saudi Aramco and Apple. Why the need for another comp plan? So Elon said, I am uncomfortable growing Tesla to be a leader in AI and robotics without having about 25% voting control. Enough to be influential, but not so much that I can't be overturned. Unless that is the case, I would prefer to build products outside of Tesla. 
You don't seem to understand that Tesla is not one startup, but a dozen. Simply look at the delta between what Tesla does and GM. As for stock ownership itself being enough motivation, Fidelity and others own similar stakes to me. Why don't they show up for work? And he went on to say, I should note that the Tesla board is great. The reason for no new compensation plan is that we're still waiting for a decision in my Delaware compensation case. The trial for that was held in 2022, but a verdict has yet to be made. I put compensation plan in quotes because from my standpoint, this is primarily about ensuring the right amount of voting influence at Tesla. If I have 25%, it means that I'm influential, but can be overridden if twice as many shareholders vote against me versus for me. At 15% or lower, the for against ratio to override me makes a takeover by dubious interest too easy. I would be fine with a dual class voting structure to achieve this, but I'm told it's impossible to achieve post IPO in Delaware. So according to recent SEC filings, Elon currently owns 13.4% of Tesla shares. Additionally, Elon has vested options that could allow him to buy another 8.6% of Tesla shares at an average strike price of $6.24 per share. That would bring him to approximately 22% ownership stake in Tesla. And Holmar's catalog says, AI is an incredibly powerful technology. A real-world AI leader like Tesla could change the world for better or worse. I can understand Elon's discomfort over helping to build a monster he can't control. And Elon said, I would like to have strong influence on AI and robotics, not control it. I don't think any one person should control it. Tesla owner Silicon Valley says, have you had any conversations with the Tesla board about a new comp plan, or is it on hold until the case is solved? Elon says, waiting for the case to be decided. So as a reminder, this case that everyone's referring to here is a loss suit from a Tesla investor brought against Tesla in Delaware Chancery Court claiming that Elon's $56 billion compensation plan was a product of sham negotiations and that the board members were not independent of Elon Musk. The case went to trial in November 2022 and concluded a year later in November 2023, and yet the verdict is still pending. Sawyer Merritt says Elon makes it very clear that this isn't about him wanting more money. It's solely about having stronger voting control slash power. He wants to be able to steer Tesla in the right direction. I thought a dual class share structure might solve this, but I guess that can't be done. Elon says, if dual class can be done, I'm all for it. It's weird that a crazy multi-class share structure like Meta has, which gives the next 20 plus generations of Zuckerbergs control is fine pre-IPO, but even a reasonable dual class is not allowed post-IPO. And then of course, morons had to start making up. Christian says, a public battle between Elon and the board is not a good look. Seems like Elon won't be doing much until he gets his new compensation. It's not ideal for Tesla. Stock probably heading lower. And Elon says, no feud or battle at all. The Tesla board is excellent. K10 says, Elon didn't start this compensation package conversation. Shareholders did. He kindly replied to this nudging. And Elon said exactly. Yeah, and so we have a poll coming up later on with our patrons asking whether they think Elon should have a new compensation package. Because just so you know, Elon's been working for free since the past two years. Hey, and if you like what we're doing here on the show, please hit the like button. It really helps us out. So according to the release notes from Over the Air Software Update 2024.2, Tesla is now rolling out adaptive headlights from the Model 3 refresh in Europe only, at least for now. So remind me again, what are adaptive headlights? Let's read directly from Tesla's release notes, shall we? Tesla's new adaptive headlights will adjust to reduce glare for other drivers and cyclists. The high beams now adjust to reduce glare for other drivers and cyclists by detecting other road users and selectively dimming individual pixels for the headlights. The high beam can remain on longer, enabling better visibility at night. Wait, so individual LED pixels in the headlight can be turned on and off? That's right. In fact, on some cars, they move with the direction of the car, so that might be coming too. In December, Tesla got approval from European authorities to utilize this new adaptive headlight for the Model 3. 
So is this coming to other markets? Probably once Tesla gets approval from each jurisdiction. So if you have the new adaptive headlights in the Model 3 in Europe, please send us a video because I want to see if it does what some cars do, which is um, as you turn the wheel, it actually lights up the road to the side you're turning to. Hmm. I don't know if it's going to do that. I feel like it's just going to be, you know, selectively dimming sections where other cars are. Yeah, it might. I don't know. All right. It's been a while. Since Tesla announced that they'd be expanding Giga Nevada. Yeah, that was like a year ago. Yep, almost exactly a year ago, January 24th, 2023 to be exact. Tesla said today we're announcing $3.6 billion of new investment in Giga Nevada. But Tesla finally had the groundbreaking ceremony last week on January 17th, and construction has begun on a portion of the factory that will be mass-producing Tesla semi-trucks and a portion of the factory that will produce enough 4680 battery cells for 1.5 million light-duty vehicles per year. This expansion is expected to cost Tesla $3.6 billion and add an additional 3,000 full-time employees to Giga Nevada. And so if you live near Giga Nevada and you're looking for work, check out Tesla's career website. Yeah, check out all these jobs available at Giga Nevada. It, the list just keeps going. Keep going and going and go. And speaking of breaking ground, Proofrock 3, the Boring Company's tunneling machine, has begun operations at Giga Texas. So as you may know, the Boring Company has a facility in Bastrop, Texas, which is about 22 miles away from Giga Texas. This is where Proofrock 3 began testing back in August. Now we see from Joe Tegmeyer's latest drone video that the Boring Company has constructed their tunneling start point across the highway from Giga Texas. Now I urge you to subscribe to Joe's YouTube channel for excellent coverage of Giga Texas. You can see here in this great shot what the expected layout of the tunnel will be. So why is the tunnel going under the highway? So Tesla is building a new shipment staging area across the highway from Giga Texas. It's like pretty much all built now. We believe this tunnel will allow Tesla to move all the new vehicles made in the factory to this new testing and calibration and outbound shipment area without ever having to get on the highway or even leave their property. So Joe is expecting the tunnel to be at least 55 feet below the highway surface and the tunnel should be about 300 meters long. Joe also expects the tunnel to take two to four weeks to build. And remember that Proofrock 3 is the boring company's latest boring machine, and it's all electric. Yeah, so it brings the sand and the dirt, what's called the spoils, out of the hole using a conveyor belt. And then they use some of that material to make the concrete panels that they then line the walls with. So they build the tunnel as they dig it. They dig and build the tunnel at a rate of 0 0.048 kilometers per hour. Now, if you did go 24 hours a day, that would be over a kilometer a day. But from what I hear, it's two 10-hour shifts, and then you need some downtime for maintenance and stuff like that. So we're not sure if the tunnel is going to come up within the factory or just outside of it. What do you guys think? So last week, we had our silly game show. Is it greenwashing? Right. We wanted to report that story about Ford and their grinding up of olive tree waste to mix up with plastic to then make parts for their cars. We asked whether you thought it was greenwashing. So what was the tally? Well, our viewers voted over three to one in favor of greenwashing. greenwashing. <laughs> Good to see that you can't fool our viewers. They know greenwashing when they see it. And since we're talking about greenwashing, was the auto rental company Hertz greenwashing when they announced back in October of 2021 that they'd be buying 100,000 cars from Tesla? What do you mean? Hasn't it been great that Hertz has been adding tens of thousands of EVs to their fleet of rental cars? I thought so. Well, then what's the problem? Well, what is the problem, Hertz? Why did you just announce in an SEC filing that you've already started selling 20,000 EVs from your fleet? Huh? 
Uh, that doesn't compute. Uh, yeah, as part of their rent-to-buy program, Hertz has listed some EVs as cheap as $17,700 before the up to $4,000 in used EV tax credits. I don't get it. Did customers not want to rent EVs from them? No, what I think it was is that the rental companies make money two ways, right? Number one, they rent cars to you. You pay them. Number two, when a car gets to a point where it doesn't feel new anymore and rental customers would start to lose interest in renting them, the rental company then needs to sell the car. Well, according to Hertz, during the fourth quarter of 2023, they realized, quote, approximately $245 million of incremental net depreciation expense related to the sale. Can you translate that financial speak? Make it make sense. Yeah. So basically, Hertz was hoping that EVs would retain more of their value. But as Tesla continued price cutting last year, the resale value for Hertz's EV fleet dropped faster than they had hoped. So Hertz said in its filing, quote, it's expected that the planned reduction in the EV fleet and reinvestment in additional ICE vehicles will improve adjusted corporate EBITDA across 2024 as vehicles are rotated. And in 2025, by which time all the vehicles included in this plan are expected to be sold. Wait, Hertz is going to buy more ICE cars because it thinks it'll help their financials? Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're looking for silver lining, if you're in the market for a used EV, the Hertz rent-to-buy program is actually kind of cool. You can check out one of their cars for up to three days at special low rental rates, and if you decide to buy it, they'll waive the rental fee. I spotted a 2021 Model 3 Standard Range Plus for $20,200 before the $4,000 federal tax credit. So let us know if any of you buy an EV through Hertz. Kind of sucks, though, because like the whole big story was EV fleets. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, let's just go back to ice cars. Is it because they weren't prepared for the price drops? I don't understand. Like they're just I don't know. I mean, you would think that most ice cars also drop in value. So I don't I don't know. <laughs> don't know what you're thinking hurts. Well, I guess it's sort of like if you had a douchey friend who was like, I'm going to buy this Tesla and then in like a year or two, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to I'm going to basically retain all my value. And you're like. Is that really the reason to be buying an EV? And then, and then like two weeks later, it's like, oh, man, they did a price cut. Oh, this sucks. And you're like, except then you multiply that out by 100,000. I think one of their problems is they're selling these cars too early. I saw a lot of cars there with 60 or 70,000 miles on them. I think most Model 3s that have that many miles on them, unless they've been trashed, um, are probably good to go for another few more years. That's true. All right, it's time for the Cybertruck Roundup. Yeehaw! The Cybertruck Roundup. Take a look at this video. This is not CGI. This is a real Cybertruck driving along quietly. Now, we reported last week on Elon's X post that getting Cybertruck road legal in China will be very difficult. But he did say that, quote, we could ship some prototypes over for display. And it appears that he wasn't kidding. According to Tesla, Cybertruck is headed to China for a multi-city tour. Tesla is asking customers to vote on which city in China the Cybertruck should appear first. And YouTube channel Voyage ATX just tested the Cybertruck's towing range. They hooked up a trailer with a Model Y, so about 6,000 pounds. They drove 110 miles and consumed 83 kilowatt hours of electricity, which means that they averaged 749 watt hours per mile. So if you extrapolate that to a 123 kilowatt hour battery, which is what the Cybertruck has, that would give the range of the Cybertruck when towing this particular double axle load at 160 miles. He was driving at 65 miles an hour on the highway at 59 degree temperatures. I do want to point out, though, he kept the tonneau cover open for some reason. Probably so, for filming. Um, maybe also I think it was so that uh, he could put the license plate up there and people could see it. Um, so, yeah, that does reduce your range a bit. And I think that a lot of people go like 160 miles. 
Oh, no. Um, I think that that's fine because you can supercharge. Yeah, he just pulled in a supercharger. No problem. The, the biggest problem that we've run into when we're towing on some of our other electric vehicles is that you might not find a charger. So it's good to like go from one safe known location to another. It's almost like you're driving through a zombie apocalypse because you don't know if you're going to be able to stop and charge. I think that's the bigger part of the story here. It really doesn't matter what your range is because the, the supercharger network is available to you. I mean, my Tesla Model 3, I usually only have around 160 travel miles. Like I don't ever really push my range and I'm never really charging up to 100. So in between supercharger stops, I'm usually doing 160 miles. You might be supercharging a little bit longer, but you're also towing. So this is one of those stories that shows you how amazing the Tesla community is. A 71-year-old from Wisconsin who has been diagnosed with terminal cancer and given three to 12 months to live had to cancel his Cybertruck reservation. The R Tesla Lounge subreddit community heard about it, and they put the word out to anyone in the area with the Cybertruck. Tesla staff manufacturing engineer Stephen Dang answered the call. He drove 800 miles from Minneapolis to Milwaukee. Our Wisconsin Cybertruck fan wrote, I couldn't drive on the street because of pain meds, but we went to a big parking lot and got to experience how cool the Cybertruck is. I also have to say how great Stephen Dang was. Such a cool guy. He has worked on so many projects in 10 years with Tesla. He knows Tom Zhu. I tried to get secret info, but Stephen was very informative yet vague. I want to thank you all for your warm wishes. Sometimes the internet is a cruel place, but your caring and your showing the good side of humanity has warmed my heart. Thank you and Stephen Dang for your caring actions and comments. Wow, that's a really nice story. And hey, all of you folks out there who are on the Cybertruck list and some of you new owners, congratulations. Head on over to the Cybertruck Owners Club. They are our sponsors every week and uh, so much great information like this story here that you can find on Cybertruck Owners Club. And now the Cybertruck Owners Club has a new orders list and an owner's registry so we can see how many people have taken delivery and how yeah. many people have put in their orders. It's fun to look at every day because the, the list gets bigger. Yeah. So over on our Now It's Review channel. Did I hear you say you don't know about our Now Let's Review channel? That's where Zach and I review all sorts of fun e-mobility products and share the results that we get with you. So this week, we reviewed an e-cargo bike, the Nacto F4 Cargo e-bike. If you're looking for an e-bike that you can go grocery shopping with, or maybe you want to take your kids for a ride, or maybe you want to deliver for Uber Eats or DoorDash, this may be the e-bike for you. We go through all the features, all the stats, and we give you our honest opinions about the Nacto over on our Now Let's Review channel. We also review things like EV chargers. And we do giveaways. So please check out our sister channel, Now Let's Review, and I'll bet you're going to find some products that, one, you didn't know existed, and two, you find out are less expensive than you thought. And three you're gonna find products that are really cool. And we have another channel. Our disruptive investing channel is for all of you out there interested in disruptive technologies and companies. We just published our interview with the founder and CEO of Space Campers, a company making this. This is a camper that fits into the back of a Tesla Cybertruck. You're definitely gonna to wanna to check out this video if you're interested in either a cap or camper for the Cybertruck. Yeah, I forgot that Space Campers is also selling bed caps for the Cybertruck, something that as we discussed with Lee, will give the Cybertruck a different look and be able to add a whole lot more cargo space to the rear bed of the Cybertruck. Yeah, did he say that you carry full sheets of plywood with the rear tailgate up? You'll have to watch our interview to find out. This interview and so much more amazing exclusive content all for you, all for free over on Disruptive Investing. So we've got another update on the progress Tesla's making on their 1950s style drive-in slash diner, which is the supercharger location at 7001 Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, California. 
Now, didn't Elon tweet about this in 2018? Yep. Elon first posted in January 6, 2018, going to put an old school drive in roller skates and rock restaurant at one of the new Tesla supercharger locations in L.A. It was originally going to be located in Santa Monica, but it got moved to Hollywood and Tesla started construction in September. So it's going to be open 24 hours a day, has two movie screens, 29 superchargers, a rooftop bar and car hop style waitstaff. No word from Tesla on the grand opening date yet. My guess would be around May, judging from this construction. Uh, but what do you think? Share your thoughts in the comments. So there have been so many stupid FUD stories coming out about EVs having problems in the cold. What legacy media companies love to do is this. They send a reporter out in the freezing cold in their oversized parkas with a microphone and they find instances of an EV driver with some kind of cold related problem. So what seems to be the horrific problem you're having with your EV, sir? Well, I've been waiting here at this EV charging station for a charger to open up for like the past six minutes. Oh, there you have it. There you you heard it here firsthand. Another horrific tale of EVs left out uh, freezing to death to die in the cold. I, I wouldn't say I'm freezing to death. In fact, we're warm and cozy watching a horror movie on Netflix. In the the, car. What, oh, what is this poor man and his family to do? Will they ever get home? They are all alone, trapped and afraid, held hostage by ghosts in a haunted car. Back to you in the studio, Betsy and so instead of the stupid anecdotal reporting like we saw in Chicago a week or so ago, let's look instead to data from Viking, which is a Norwegian road assistance service. During extreme cold conditions so far this winter, Viking has responded to 34,000 assistance requests in Norway. Now, despite the fact that Norway has the highest share of EVs on the roads of any country, only 13% of the assistance calls were from EVs. That means 87% of the calls were from traditional gas-powered cars with internal combustion engines. But EV drivers in Chicago were forced to abandon their cars. So the next time this winter, someone at work says something like, So how's that Tesla yours holding up in this chilly weather? I heard a lot of EVs were stranded in Chicago last week. You can reply. Actually, according to actual data, it's gas-powered cars that have more problems with cold weather than EVs. And hey, if you'd like to share a story you've seen here on Now You Know, but you don't want to share the entire one-hour episode, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel on YouTube or over on X, where we chop these into the little bite-sized clips. So here's another highly anecdotal story that's been making the rounds. Here's a version of it from Electric. Headline says, Tesla superchargers are overwhelmed by new Uber drivers in New York City. And this is written by Fred Lampert. So in 2023, New York City became the first major U.S. city to mandate that rideshare fleets become 100% electric by 2030 and New York City added 10,000 new EV licenses for Uber and Lyft drivers. Now, I'll be the first to admit that having driven around New York City a few times in the last couple of years, there aren't a lot of superchargers in New York. I mean, here's a map. And I mean, I get it. Real estate in New York City is super expensive, and that makes it a tough place to operate an EV, especially as a taxi, because generally you would charge up at home at night, but in a dense city. Yeah, most Uber drivers don't have garages or driveways to park their cars in at night to level two charge. So it's great that the city made 10,000 EV licenses available for taxis, but they should have also spent money on buying or leasing high speed charging locations as well. And by that, I mean a lot of them. Now, this is not a hard problem to solve. It involves a bit of infrastructure. Now, normally the free market 
capitalism would take care of this. Some enterprising companies would start to build out more high-speed charging to fill the demand. But this is happening very fast, and very few people actually understand what's unfolding. The problem is that the headlines like this tend to reinforce this fuddy sentiment that a lot of people have, that electric vehicles just won't work where I live. There's not enough charging. The funny thing is, if you dig into the actual data and read past the headlines, you see that even on the day in question here, the lines at the superchargers weren't even that bad. Take a look at this app, 15 minute wait time. And the next day, the lines had all but disappeared. But that doesn't make for good headlines. And to your point about enterprising companies, Revel, which is an EV ride hailing fleet in New York with mostly Teslas, saw this coming and they built their own high speed charging hubs and they've been having no problems. Revel spokesman Robert Familiar said, Revel's public fast charging super hubs have seen about four times more public utilization in the last two months, which we see as a direct outcome of the Green Rides initiative. We are anticipating an even greater uptick as more drivers look to skip long lines and come charge with us. So again, I wish that instead of the media trying to make this a story about FUD, that they showed that this is actually a great story. More electric vehicles transporting more people around New York City means less pollution, less asthma, less carcinogens clogging up our lungs, less PM 2.5 particles getting into our bloodstream and our brains, less noise, safer cars for passengers. Why aren't Uber and Lyft building out high-speed charging infrastructure for their drivers and their passengers? New Yorkers, demand of your politicians that your government spend a tiny fraction of your infrastructure budgets on EV charging and make your city cleaner and quieter. And to be fair, New York City's taxi and limousine commissioner, David Doe, says in October, we gave TLC drivers the option of owning their own EV plates instead of continuing to lease gas powered vehicles. And many of them jumped at it. They're now hitting the road, leading the charge towards a cleaner and more sustainable city and sending a very clear message. We need more charging infrastructure. We're doing everything we can to meet that demand as quickly as possible. That includes the city's commitment to install 13 fast charging hubs in municipal parking facilities citywide, a new Bronx charging depot and 30 fast chargers at TLC's Woodside inspection facility. But look, sorry to say this, but talk is cheap. Let's get these and many more EV chargers installed now. And I think the thing is, this polar vortex thing is a really good test to show how charging infrastructure needs to scale up. Mm -hmm. But it also really shows how Tesla is pretty much the only game in town. Yep. I mean, why were they standing at supercharger locations? It's because those are pretty much the only ones around. Exactly. And these are pretty much all the EVs around that are coming to the supercharger locations. And Tesla has done a really good job. This is essentially like having 20% more EVs on the road. Mm -hmm because they need 20% more power. It's actually more like 40 because these cars are charging slower. So this would be like if 40% more cars on the road in this particular location and this at the drop of a hat, you know, came into existence and needed to charge. It shows that while it's not perfect, they were able to handle it in basically no time at all. And that's with in Chicago having like two superchargers down. Right. Um, so while it's definitely not ideal, it definitely shows that Tesla is the leader in infrastructure, that they're continually adding more. I mean, we talk about this at the end of our shows every week. The number of superchargers coming online is enormous. Now, let's say you'd like to install an EV charger in the U.S. and you'd like to take advantage of a federal tax credit through the 30C EV charging tax credit. That's where you as an individual can get up to $1,000 and businesses can get up to $100,000. That sounds great, doesn't it? Well, the U.S. Treasury Department just came out with updated guidance last week on eligibility. So you'll claim the credit on Form 8911. Mm -hmm. And first, you'll have to go to this map to see if you qualify. 
What map? This one, developed by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Argonne National Laboratory. So I just randomly chose Boston as an example. Okay, so I see a bunch of different colors. I assume that's important. Yep. Green is an eligible tract through 2030. Tan is eligible through 2029. And gray is eligible through the end of this year. What if it's not any of those colors? Like, like most of the people in Beacon Hill, South Boston, Back Bay. Sorry, you don't get the credit. I don't understand. But the, the people who do get the credit are the aqua people who live in Boston Harbor. I don't understand why. What is up with this map? The White House said that the eligible census tracts will, quote, confirm that the Inflation Reduction Act's 30C EV charging tax credit is available to approximately two thirds of Americans. Why two thirds? The IRS defines an eligible census tract as, quote, any population census tract that qualifies as a low income community or that is not an urban area. Wait, wait, so you're saying that this tax credit is only available to people living in certain places? It appears so. Now, we're not tax experts, so consult someone who is. But it just makes me angry because the president passes the IRA a couple of years ago and politicians get to make these big statements about how two thirds of Americans will get EV charging tax credits. But then it takes them over a year to come out with this complicated, multicolored coded map where someone across the street from me can get a credit for a charger, but I can't. Quite literally us. That is true of us. Yes. I want to just look at Nantucket, the island of Nantucket. I grew up there. I did a lot of building there with my dad. It's a very rich community, right? Except that on the off season, in the winter, like now, the people who live in Nantucket, about 6,000 people, they're not super rich. They're just fishermen and regular people. Then in the summer, all the rich people come to the island thousands of them. It goes up the population like quintuples. They all live in real expensive mansions. But take a look at this map. Okay. Downtown Nantucket, where most of the people in Nantucket live year round. You can't put in a charger and get EV tax credit. But on the two ends of the island, where all the mega mansions are, they qualify. Hmm. What's up with that? It's because there's a stupid map that it takes. It doesn't take into account anything. And I do. I want, I urge you to go look at this map and zoom into where you live, because yeah. more than likely... Even though supposedly two-thirds of Americans are going to be able to get this, it doesn't look that way. You zoom out and the map looks great. Okay, you zoom out and the map looks like, wow, look at um, all of America, which is farmland and desert and mountains. Wow, look at all that green. That looks great. Zoom into any place where people actually live, which like you can look at like a map like light pollution. That's where people live. Zoom in on one of those places. You're not going to find too many spots. They don't want people in urban areas to get charging. So in this little town of Nantucket, which is not urban by any means, you can't put in a charger and, and get also, a credit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So now we can't get credits in urban areas and urban meaning basically any downtown area. So, hey, we want to give Americans uh, tax credits for, for EV chargers. But wait, 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 wait. Not where people live and not where there's businesses and places where people would want to stop. So, like, if you're a business and you don't live in the middle of all nowhere, no. Look at most malls in America, right, where you would like to have some charging. Most of them don't qualify. Right. It's so ridiculous. Look at most just downtowns where it'd be nice to have like a couple EV chargers on the so street. So the law gets passed and we all like a lot of people are like, great. This but sounds then good. We didn't see all this <laughs> we didn't detail. See the stupid then map. we see the detail two years later and we're like hang on but we have no say now because the law has been passed next up is our friend ellie from ellie in space reporting on what's going on in space this week hey zach and jesse i just moved so i'm redoing my studio but here is your weekly spacex update a recent house subcommittee meeting is raising debate after michael griffin a former nasa administrator recently expressed his concerns about nasa's artemis program and a lot of people are talking about this in my judgment the Artemis program is excessively complex. 
unrealistically priced, compromises crew safety, poses very high mission risk of completion, and is highly unlikely to be completed in a timely manner even if successful. We do know that it'll likely be delayed more than once, but Griffin proposed a shift back to a more Apollo-like approach, relying less on commercial partners like SpaceX and focusing on a simpler mission profile. He envisions using NASA's own space launch system and Orion capsule for a moon landing by 2029. However, there are doubts about the feasibility of his plan, considering the challenges in developing new lunar landers quickly and the potential costs involved. Critics also question the practicality of moving away from the current, more collaborative Artemis approach. SpaceX also finally launched the Axe 3 astronaut mission to the ISS. This launch was originally scheduled for January 17th, but was postponed by a day. The following day, SpaceX sent its Falcon 9 rocket with a Dragon capsule from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The crew included former NASA astronaut Michael Lopez Alegria as the mission commander, along with other international astronauts, making a significant step in commercial space travel. Also, you know those Merlin engines that powered the Falcon 9? I interviewed the designer of these revolutionary engines, Tom Mueller. He is possibly the most important person in SpaceX history aside from Elon. So here's a clip from that interview. What is your absolute hardest impossible can't be done challenge that you overcame thanks to Elon's insistence that it could be done, if any? Oh boy. Huh. It's hard to think about. I, I, I'm thinking of one that's probably not the hardest, but the, the one thing we did, which I think was the key to making the the Merlin 1D what it is like super reliable super easy to manufacture super efficient was the phase shutoff injector which was the first time that a very large engine had done that and you know I I talked about that with Elon and he said let's just do it like and I'm just like man this is going to be there should be a lot of problems developing this at, at this size because uh, it's you're basically putting the valves into the injector and getting rid of a lot of systems but it's just you're putting all the action right in the right in the place where where gigawatts of energy are released and uh it was hard but it wasn't as hard as as i had feared and it turned out to be the right thing to do so that was probably one one giant step that we took that that i was pretty nervous about that elon just said come on stack up let's do it the full video is on my channel ellie in space if you're interested in watching it Elon Musk also had an all-hands SpaceX meeting which answered a lot of our questions. The meeting provided insights into the destruction of the Starship upper stage during a November test flight, attributing it to a propellant dump caused by venting liquid oxygen. Despite the setback, Elon remains confident about the vehicle's next test flight planned for February. This flight is set to include crucial tests like an in-space engine burn. So February, yeah, not too far away. And I definitely intend on going to that launch. So make sure to follow my channel, Ellie in Space, so you don't miss any of that in-person coverage. Thanks so much, Zach and Jesse, and I'll see you next week, hopefully from my new studio. Thanks, Ellie. Can't wait for you to get settled in your new studio. And by the way, Sawyer Merritt tweeted out, breaking, SpaceX is now offering a Starlink service that can deliver 10 gigabit internet speeds, the fastest satellite internet speeds in the world. It'll start at $75,000 per gigabits per second per month with a one-time upfront cost of $1.25 And you might be saying, hang on, that's too pricey for my budget. This is for big businesses and communities. And Elon said, this is a heavy-duty KI gateway. Farzad said, this is a large deflationary force on infrastructure costs for remote areas around the world. Internet in 2024 is no different than water or electricity. This is a very big deal. 
Elon said, yeah. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. This is the best razor I've ever owned. It fixed my face, so now I can actually grow a beard, which I'm very happy about. Nice. So oddly enough, a razor allowed me to grow a beard. I'm... I don't, I don't know how it works, but it did work. And if you'd like to get your own, we have a special deal for Now You Know viewers. If you use the code Now You Know at checkout, you can get 200 shaves for free. That is a 100-blade box of razors. It's lasted me over two years. Just use that code at checkout, and you'll get your box of blades. Thank you, Henson Shaving. So when you think of Rome, you probably think of some pretty ancient things, like the Colosseum built under Emperor Titus in 80 AD, or the Pantheon, which was rebuilt in 126 AD. But now Rome is going electric. Electric bus, that is. Aveco Group, the Italian truck manufacturer, has just announced that ATEC, which is Azienda per la Mobilità, which is Rome's public transport company, has awarded Aveco with a 300 million euro contract for 411 battery electric buses, including 10 years full service maintenance plan for each bus. All electric buses will start being delivered by the end of this year, with the remaining buses to be brought into service by summer of 2026. So this should effectively convert all of Rome's municipal buses to electric and save Rome a approximately 1.8 million gallons, that's 6.8 million liters, of diesel fuel per year. Burning one gallon of diesel creates 10 grams of soot. Ipso facto, these new electric buses in Rome will soon be saving the city from 18,000 kilograms of soot every year. And I mean, Rome spends a lot of money every year cleaning up their old buildings because they get looking awful. So this should help a lot. Doesn't necessarily deal with all the smoking, but... What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a different problem. What do you mean? All right, it's time for Going Green. So in a new study that was published in October called Rapid Single Particle Chemical Imaging of Nanoplastics by SRS Microscopy, we learned some pretty disturbing news. What? What? Huh? Who? Rap single microscopy? Huh? All right, it's something we've pretty much known for years, right? That micro nanoplastics are everywhere in our daily lives. When you drink from a plastic water bottle, some of those long chains that make up the wall of the plastic bottle break off into the water you're drinking and you ingest them. We've known about this for decades, but we didn't know how much until now. The authors of the study developed a hyperspectral stimulated Raman scattering imaging platform. Basically, a way to detect and count the number of these really tiny, as small as one micrometer nanoplastics. Now, for perspective, a human hair is usually between 12 to 181 micrometers thick. So these are tiny. These nanoplastics are so small, they can cross the blood-brain barrier. So just to be clear, when you ingest them, they can get into your bloodstream and then get into your brain, and they don't generally break down. So what the authors of the study found was the following. They found, on average, 240,000 particles of microplastic per liter. Now, about 90% of those particles were nanoplastics. This is 10 times more than had been reported previously. Now, are we reporting on this to scare you? Well, kind of. Honestly, we don't know what the effects of these nanoplastics are on the human body. It hasn't really been studied that well. Could these nanoplastics have no effect? Possibly. But what do you think? If you have the choice between putting millions, billions of these particles into your body and not doing that, which would you choose? Hang on. Millions, billions of plastic nanoparticles? I mean, where did you get those numbers? Okay, well, the average person drinks 45 gallons of water per year. Let's say half that water is stored in plastic bottles of some kind. Okay, fair enough. So that's 85 liters per year of water from plastic containers. Multiply that by 240,000 particles per liter and you get 20.4 million microparticles of plastic, but only 90% are nanoplastic. So that's 18.3 million nanoplastic particles, 
uh, ingested into your body. But that's just one year. If you're my age, then I've ingested about 973 million particles, almost a billion nanoparticles of plastic into my body so far in my lifetime. Holy crap. Now, hopefully these nanoparticles are benign, but what if they aren't? Now, this is a problem that you can largely minimize in you and your family's life just by switching to non-plastic alternatives like glass and metal containers. As long as the glass and metal containers aren't coated with plastic. I know, it's true. So many people drink from like aluminum cans and they don't realize there's a plastic coating on the inside. And a lot of... Uh metal water bottles the reason that it doesn't taste like metal sorry to say is because it's coated in plastic as well i know so you can't win all right it's time for sunspots so guess how many acres of u.s federal land are open to oil and gas development i have no idea One hundred twenty-five thousand square miles that's about the size of the state of new mexico wow so that's the land available to oil and gas companies to lease and drill on yep now, the Bureau of Land Management and the Department of Energy have determined that the U.S. needs a little over a thousand square miles for solar farms over the next 20 years. So the Bureau of Land Management just recommended 34,000 square miles or about the size of South Carolina to give maximum flexibility to help the U.S. reach its net zero energy goal by 2035. The land is located in these 11 states. So far, the Bureau of Land Management has approved 47 clean energy projects and permitted 11.2 gigawatts of solar, wind, and geothermal energy on public lands. That's enough to power 3.5 million homes. How much land does the federal government own? One million square miles, or about 28% of the U.S. Take a look at this map. Uh, the red here is all federally owned. And if you'd like to see what that looks like per state, take a look at this blue map here. Oh uh, so <laughs> so Nevada, basically? <laughs> practically the U.S. government. Yeah. I mean, look at California. Wow. So that would make the federally owned land the 10th largest country in the world. <laughs> oh and and oh, by the way, this map is very misleading because all of Alaska. Practically all of Alaska. Except is that they've shrunk Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> exactly. And more U.S. government solar news this week. The Pentagon, one of the largest buildings in the world, 6.6 million square feet, is going to get rooftop solar panels installed. Yeah, the Pentagon, which is currently powered by natural gas and oil, will have 95% of its space heating and hot water powered by the sun when this project is complete. The Pentagon is estimated to save over 7 gigawatt hours of electricity and 128,000 million metric BTUs of natural gas per year. That's a savings of $1.36 million a year when the solar gets installed. Great. That's like four toilets. That's like, that's like one missile. Whee! <laughs> nice. Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks says, by rethinking how we generate, distribute, and use energy, Department of Defense is making our installations more resilient, better securing our critical infrastructure, and saving money. A win for war fighters and taxpayers alike. The project should start soon. No word yet on how many solar panels and how much it'll cost. Because it's the Pentagon and we don't need to know you those You don't things. need to know that. That is on a need-to-know <laughs> basis. What if the Kremlin knew how much these solar panels cost? Don't. You'd be in a world of trouble. Can you imagine? They're probably going to cover the top of the Pentagon with a sheet so you can't count them. I don't know why it's not working. <laughs> hey, and if you'd like to cover your house with solar, but you don't really know what to do... 
Talk to our friends at Energy Pal. They do know what to do. They've got all the latest information on tax rebates and all that stuff, who the best manufacturers are. Also, they'll help you with batteries. So check out their link in the description below and let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. We need your stories to make the show great. Remember to send them to us two minutes or less. Shoot them in the landscape. Good audio, no music. Send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week, Jess? Robert sent us a story about how much demand there actually is for Tesla in Maryland. Hello, Zach and Jesse. Robert Borkowski reporting to you from Washington, D.C. metro area. It's December 30th, 2023. I'm here in Rockville, Tesla Service Center. I've got to tell you that the mainstream media is reporting correctly that Americans do not want to buy EVs because they're all buying Teslas. Look what's happening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tesla Service Center, not a single vehicle. They all sold out. In the radius of 200 miles, in DC metro area, all inventory vehicles have been sold out in 2023. So, good luck buying a car next year. Now you know. I love that Tesla even sold out of like those skateboards that they've got too. It's like someone's like, can I just have that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was in DC around Thanksgiving, uh, I think it felt like every 10th car was a Tesla. Thank you, Robert, for that reporting. All right, it's time for a Patreon bonus stories. And this week, we've got a Toyota greenwashing prank, Tesla's new distribution center, and the world's first in autonomous trucks, along with investor club stories and so much more. So head on over to patreon.com slash know. Support us for as little as a buck a month, and you get all these Patreon bonus stories. See you there. All right, we're back from a Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the Patreon poll. Should Elon get a new compensation package? And um, yeah, I thought it'd be higher yeah. actually percentage, but I guess some people <laughs> what? <are> like <laughs> you on a poll. You wanted a higher percentage than this. I don't know that you don't. That doesn't happen statistically. I mean, we had one the other day. It was like ninety six percent or something. I so. mean, come on. That, right. I mean, that's amazing. That's an amazing little stat there. 
All right, it's time for Elon's X's of the week. And the knowledge archivist says, I think video games are often so compelling because they tap into evolutionary roots. A lot of them focus on gameplay that's similar to what hunting with a clan was like back in the day. Evolutionary congruency. And Elon said exactly. Patrick says, are there other examples of physical infrastructure deployments that maintain such a strikingly exponential ramp for 30 plus years? Elon says, rail, highways, and formation of cities. Hydrocarbons are such a puny source of energy compared to solar, a.k.a. free fusion reactor in the sky. Dirty Tesla says, my 2021 Tesla Model Y with heat pump performed perfectly in these below average temperatures. It worked 100%, kept us safe and warm for all the driving done today. It'll be fully charged again in a few hours. And Tesla North America tweeted out, heat pumps help boost driving range and maximize supercharging speeds in cold weather by using excess heat from powertrain to warm cabin and battery. This gives our vehicles unmatched efficiency and comes standard in every new Tesla. Elon then said, to fear parody or criticism is a sign of weakness. Culture Critic says, can someone explain why the American system doesn't produce subway stations like this? This is the magnificent metro station of St. Petersburg in Russia. Elon says, making the subway stations in major U.S. cities beautiful should be something cities care about. I was astounded when I went to this station when I was a kid and I went down many, many, many stairs down into it. And then you just have this beautiful underground thing. The city does not look like that, but when, the subway stations do. When you were a kid? When, yeah. When, went, did, when did you go? went to Russia in 1987. Before the wall came down. I have videotaped it. How? Uh, class trip. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs to go to Disney World? <laughs> wow. Sir Doge with the coin says the monster Cybertruck. Elon said, not bad. Could be higher production value. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Come on. Cool it. Doge Designer says, breaking, year-over-year year change in visits for new websites is declining and is already in negative, while traffic for X is up 22% year-over-year year and is currently at its peak in popularity. Elon said X is the future. Mr. B says, $1 car versus $100 million car. I'm curious how much ad revenue a video on X would make, so I'm re-uploading this to test it. We'll share ad revenue next week. Elon says, first Mr. Beast video posted directly on X. And by the way, it had 50 million views in 15 hours. And Elon said, wow, uh, that's shots fired, by the way. If Mr. Beast is going, screw you, YouTube, yep. I'm going to X and going to see how it just see how it works. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe. Also, I, I watched the video and uh, the Model X was the cheapest of the cars he tested out at $100,000. And I would argue the best. Hmm. I thought he was going to test a $1 car. Well, he did. I, OK, but I said the best. OK, he had to put twenty thousand dollars into the one dollar car to make it run. So I I don't know if it was a one dollar car. <laughs> Elon says significant improvements have been made to Starlink's latency ping and many more to come. Target is less than 20 milliseconds. Wow. Genevieve says, who's going to the 2024 World Economic Forum in Davos? Newtonian says, Elon, you going? And Elon said, no way. Farzad said, out of curiosity, I watched a few clips of late night TV after not watching it for years. Fallon. Colbert and the like. I legitimately cannot understand why anyone would put themselves through that garbage. Does that make me a bad person? And Elon says, I haven't watched late night TV since the Colbert show. I think it's it's not even just the content. It's going to be the ads. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. Like, you know, people complain about YouTube ads and it's like not even remotely close. IO says the percentage growth in the number of healthcare administrators compared to that in physicians, that tiny, barely visible yellow sliver at the bottom of the graph is the growth in physicians and the towering alpine peaks on the top of it are the growth in administrators. Elon said, wow. Elon reposted the Starlink post. Starlink can provide connectivity to the most remote and rural communities around the world. The Itaquera community in the heart of the Brazilian Amazon now has access to online educational and medical resources previously not available. And I do want to say that is not how you climb a ladder. That is going to break.
Eric Berger says, I'm thrilled to announce the sequel to Liftoff, titled Reentry, will be published on September 24th. This book picks up the story where Liftoff left off, taking readers on a wild ride aboard the Falcon 9, Dragon, Heavy, and so much more. I thought it was going to be called Touchdown. He said it was going to be called Touchdown. I think he got jealous when I came up with the name and told him. Maybe, but we're reaching out to him and his publisher so we can interview him again. (laughs) We interviewed him for the last book, so uh, and Elon said, may as well go for a trilogy. What's going to be the third book then? Starship. (laughs) Mars landing. Adrian says, would SpaceX ever consider building a space station? Elon says, Mars and the moon. So does that mean? Yes. Well, it means yes, but a space station, not an orbiting space station. I guess he wants it on the planet. He likes likes to be able to walk around on the space station. So, Ziad says, Elon Musk, when will Tesla vehicles be available in South Africa at a reasonable price? Elon said, import duties are super high in South Africa to protect the domestic industry. Doesn't make sense for Tesla, given that electric cars are not locally made. SpaceX then posted the Dragon docked with the space station. Joe Biden says, I announced we're investing another $82 million to connect 16,000 additional homes and businesses to high-speed internet across North Carolina. This is just one piece of a much bigger story. And Holmar's catalog says, your tax dollars lit on fire because I don't like Elon Musk. Hey, at least we don't have a massive deficit. Elon said, this is crazy given that Starlink is available right now for a tiny fraction of this cost. And Brendan Carr says in 2020, the FCC secured a commitment from Starlink to offer high-speed internet in rural areas for $1,377 per location in support. The Biden administration rescinded that deal and is now spending $5,100 per location. Elon said Starlink would cost even less, but the government requirements made it twice as expensive. Joe Gebbia says, can someone explain why the president is spending more on a subpar option? Elon said, good question. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Remember, share your stories and videos with us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Joseph spotted this Cybertruck at the Rogers, Minnesota Tesla store, and that's a cool place to put it. I know, right? Chris saw this Rap Model 3 in Springwood, Blue Mountains, Australia. Tariq spotted this VWID Buzz in the San Fernando Valley, California. Jack saw this decked out Model 3 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Sam saw this original Tesla Roadster in the Winchester, UK Tesla showroom. Michael spotted this BYD Han in Belgium. Brent saw this Model 3 parked next to this classic car in Ontario, Canada. I don't think that one's an EV. That might be converted. Christopher saw this bulletproof tested Cybertruck at the Peterson Museum in Los Angeles. Nice. Arthur sent us this picture of him with his EV jet adapter that he recently received. Nice. I hope you don't need to use it. But if you do, you've got it. Colleen spotted this Chevy Silverado EV doing range testing in Illinois. Martin spotted this Ford Mustang Mach-E and Tesla Model Y police vehicles from the Cotati Police Department in California. And Steve came across these Tesla ads on display at the Haneda Airport in Tokyo. I think we've seen these before. Mm. That's cool. All right, it's time for new superchargers out there in the world. Let's see what people have found. I'm at the 10 stall version two supercharger in Cupertino at the Main Street Garage. Take the Wolf Road South exit from Interstate 280. You might notice a mysterious circular building nearby. The chargers are located on the second floor of the garage. When you come up the ramp, look for the blue wall and you'll see a sign pointing towards hotel. Take a right, and this will lead you to the chargers. Of course, as this is V2 supercharging, you should be mindful of the A, B stalls so that you get maximum charge. However, with every stall occupied, this is less of a consideration. This garage does have a system of lighting that tells you when a stall is open. So look for the green light to find the stalls which are not yet occupied. Despite the plethora of shops and the central location in Cupertino, I'm going to have to rate this supercharger a 6 out of 10 
due to its very busy nature and the difficulty of getting in and out via the garage ramps and entrances. If you're here, you can enjoy yourself, but getting parked can be a challenge. Mark here from Thrumster in northern New South Wales in Australia and just pulled up at the new charging station at Thrumster Shopping Centre. So there's a shopping centre over there behind me. Uh, there's about six stalls open at the moment and looks like another six under shroud that'll be open soon. And these are 250 kilowatt stalls, so they're high speed, which is great. Another interesting thing about these ones is they're open to other vehicle types other than Tesla. So uh, right now there's a um, BYD Auto 3 that's plugged in. And also over here, um, there's a new EV9 Kia. That's the first one I've seen in the wild. And they're queuing up to uh, charge as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how the infrastructure copes with uh, all the other vehicle types coming to charge. I had to wait for about five minutes to get on to a charger. Um, but it is Christmas time, so it's a popular time of the year for people to be on the road. Anyway, I'd probably give this one about a 6 out of 10. Now you know. Hello, this is Mario Ramirez from Puerto Rico. Recording from the supercharger in Mayagüez. We have a, a eight, eight stalls and you have a supermarket and it's very good. My first real supercharger, big supercharger. And, and now you know, bye. Hey Zach and Jesse, this is Joe. I'm over here at Santanilla next to the world famous Pea Soup Anderson's. Basically it's a roadside uh, pull out stop with the famous Pea Soup Anderson's. And we have a good eight stalls here. They're uh, superchargers. Basically you've got just gas stations and a couple restaurants, so a good place to go to the bathroom. I give it a good uh, four out of 10 just because there's nothing but gas stations and a restaurant or two. All right, now you know. Thank you so much for doing Supercharger Reviews. We have a map on our website where you can watch all the Supercharger Reviews, and they're on a map so you know where they are, and you can upload your own there as well. Yeah, I mean, while you're at a Supercharger, you got a few minutes, film us one. Put yeah. it up there, help people out. And you might find yourself on the show. That's right. All right, so what do we got for new Superchargers? The new Superchargers of the world, we got number 128 in the UK. It's the four stall at Gatwick at GridServe Electric Four Court, UK. Number 157 in South Korea is the 4th stall in Jeonju. The 16th stall in New Caney, Texas. The 8th stall in Los Gatos, California. Number 75 in Virginia is the 8th stall in Norfolk, Virginia. Number 93 in Taiwan is the 8th stall in Yunlin. Number 179 in France is the 8th stall in Morlaix, France. Number 427 in California is the 12th stall at Pollock Pines, California. Number 151 in Texas is the 8th stall at Alpine at South Cockrell Street, Texas. And number 152 in Florida, oh, they're neck and neck wow. there, uh, is the eighth stall in Miami. And number seven in Vermont, number 2,138 in the USA, number 6,004 in the world is the 12th stall in Bennington, Vermont. We made it to 6,000. 6,000 You know what's funny? Is that the mass media 
does not ever report on stuff like this. Like, this is so exciting. And yet EA, you know, Electrify America, they'll put out a press release every few months and be like, we have 420. We have 430. And the press just eats it up, and right? Like, oh, they put out a press release. Tesla doesn't have a press department, so they don't put out press releases, so they don't get any press. Now, Elon, I know it's silly. But this is how the stupid press works. And if you've seen our uh, Patreon bonus stories this week, where basically a company put out a fake press release and all these legacy media companies picked it up and ran it as a story. I looked at that press release, by the way, and I was like, could I have fallen for it? And I was like, maybe I could have. And then I looked like at the bottom where they had the press contact and I just Googled that person and that person does not exist. Mm. Right. And I'm like, that would have stopped me right there. I would have Mm. said, well, if this person doesn't work at Toyota, then I'm not going to report on the story. But all these other companies were just like, there's the story. I I don't know, Elon, maybe just have an intern work in a press (laughs) department, put out press releases that say like, hey, we have 6,000 superchargers in the world. No, we don't need this. It, it, this is ridiculous. Just know when you're on the internet and they're like, "Hey, we're we're the, we're a newspaper or we're we're an online news publication," um, they're basically just sitting there going like, "Oh, I hope somebody sends oh. us a press release oh, so that okay. way we can report on something." It's got pictures in it, and and so it's literally it's just some dude sitting in his bedroom just going like, "Oh, yep. this will be a perfect press release." Anyway, this is what we hope to bring you uh, is that we kind of go out there, you know, like. I don't know. I don't know if like press is, is supposed to kind of well, like Robert this week. This stuff out, he went know? to an actual Tesla service yeah. center, opened the door, showed you what was <laughs> in there. In. <laughs> There's no cars there because they sold them all. Like yeah. that's actual reporting. Yeah, that's how we used to do it. But now it's like, well, I'm going to wait till Tesla sends me a press release. <laughs> no, they didn't. So I guess I won't cover it. I guess there's no so, news. Thank you so much for supporting the work that we do. I hope that we're bringing you, you know, a little bit more than just press releases. And if there are press releases, we tend to, you know, go through it with at least a medium tooth comb, you know, to try and suss out what us morons could figure out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, thank you so much for your support. Thank you to all of the amazing Patreon patrons. You're seeing a lot of them scroll by here. These are people who support this show. They make it possible for this. Uh, content to uh, make it to your eyeballs and we really really appreciate that we'll see you guys next week now you know this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.